your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line number. If you want to get in here with Mayor Tim Cabot, who's going to join us for this hour. Uh, Mayor, I didn't mean to bug you with my volleyball email rant to the city council this morning. <laughs> That, that's why I'm here, Rick. It is not bugging me at all. I pass it along to our our park and rec folks, and I believe Jared uh, Flick with our group has yeah, reached out to you to talk about some of the sites and some of the improvements that are coming. So, At this point, do you want me to just yeah. delete you from the, the email thread? Because I always like, you know what, the, you guys have better things. I just wanted to get the council aware of you know the fact that there's this other community here. Uh, pickleball is great and everything, but like... Mm. Uh, we could play 12 at a time playing volleyball and two at a time or four at a time playing pickleball. So I just, and then all of a sudden it's going to the mayor and Odegaard and I'm like, oh good, now I'm just bugging people <laughs> that that have better things well, to I, do. Yeah, I don't look at it that way, Rick. I guess the way I look at it is how are these things ever going to get addressed or improved unless we have conversations about them? And many times that starts with an email or a letter to the mayor, to the city council or to you know someone in the city and... I think that's that's just the way we should be working on these, you know, because the folks in in the in the city, whether it's Park and Recs or any department, they don't necessarily have every answer figured out, and it's good to hear from people about their thoughts and ideas. Yeah, even if he lives in Minnesota, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I well, used... <laughs> you know, that's that's the beauty of of our area and La Crosse. We're really viewed as kind of the center of the region. So we, you know, we take input from everybody regardless of where they live at times. Yeah. And, and not like I don't you, you know, a, I work in the city, B I, I'm, I'm using, utilizing the parks and rec all the time, uh, not for work, but for, for play. Uh, and then at this point I'm like, are you guys, uh, reading my, my email that was way too long because I work at Wisdom or is, is, is this kind of standard protocol? I was kind of curious if, uh, if somebody sends out an email that's that's like that, will it go through those channels? Well, when I receive them, I forward them on to the appropriate department to take a look at. It, I mean, it doesn't. I wouldn't believe that every single email or question has gotten addressed, you know, perfectly or or to the to the emailer's desire. But at least we have, you know, some some review and discussion and and mm-hmm. uh, thoughts about it so at least that's the way i've operated here for the last eight years all right um mayor tim cabot's going to join us this hour and uh there's a city council meeting here that we can get into that's coming up thursday board of public works meeting happened this morning um you know the we're, we're making uh one of the streets uh no parking zone on one of the streets uh Anything else that we addressed this morning that 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 really needs to be brought up that right now before we uh, we're going to take a break and then we can get into the city council stuff. But you know, did, did anything else come of that board of public works meeting? That's a meeting I think that a lot of stuff happens that that the uh, city should be aware of. It does. I mean, it's it's interesting. Everything from you know a, a major multi million dollar sewer relocation to help quick trip. With all the good things they're doing to deciding when the city auction is going to be to dealing with parking issues. It's really, it's my favorite committee because it's really the grab bag of city government. So it's, it's just, you never know what's going to pop up from Monday to Monday. 
Yeah, and uh, it, it, the way we're we're covering these meetings too, I'm trying to you know trying to give the public a little bit of a notice. Hey, before this meeting happens, here's what's happening. Uh, still working on like just just getting that. But the the city version of this too with COVID, we've put all these meetings online, right? Um, but I don't I don't yeah. know if they they live online after they 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 live online live. But I don't know if people can go back and and watch. You know, at the county board meetings, used to be on Facebook Live and and. And even on YouTube, there was some stuff on there where it would live. You know, I think you could see the lacrosse school board meetings after the fact to see what they talked about. It was always really nice, especially for a reporter. But I think for for people that live in the city or the county, hey, I want to see what they talked about in this meeting. I missed it. You can't go back and, and, you know, you kind of got to you can't go back and watch it, which I I think, you know, COVID's helped this a little bit. But is there ever talk about, you know, putting these videos up permanently somewhere where everyone can easily find them? Well, we we have talked about that. I, I know that all of the council meetings and the finance meetings and the um, uh, JNA meeting are videoed, and those are typically because those are standing uh, committees. You can watch those; those are archived. But with the other thirty plus committees, I think there's a few of the committees that have requested that they, you know, that they're videoed and recorded, and then. Uh, people are able to, to tune in afterwards. I think it's something definitely that we should be talking about and considering given this virtual age that we're living in. But I, you know, I, I, I think it's something, um, part of it has to do with, you know, again, just the, um, the, the, the cloud and having the storage capacity and, and all those issues as well. So uh, I think the idea, of, of course, is to try to make as much of that as accessible to everybody as possible and you know I, I we got work to do when it comes to that i'm sure yeah the idea of having police body cams there's there's a, a situation there where you got to have a, tons of hard drive space because though you know like you need all that body cam footage for for however long it is um you know but city council meetings those could all just live on youtube and we can make you know i think google owns youtube we can make google pay for the cloud stuff well, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's quite that easy, but it is it is something that um, we that, that's an area that we should be talking about. All right, that's Mayor Tim Cavett. All right, we're going to break quick for the news uh, coming up. I want to talk about what's on the uh, city council agenda for Thursday. Also, uh, it sounds like the city is suing people for the PFAs uh, out in the town of Campbell, and um, you know what what the city has been doing with the the water and and some of the other stuff that came up at the committee meetings last week. Uh, but we'll be back after this. Brad's got to do the news. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you got questions for Mayor Tim Cavity, always answers all the questions. And um gonna miss that, Mayor. And, and then next month, that's the last uh the last time you'll be on as mayor with us. Yeah, it's coming it's coming up fast. I can't believe it's only a little over a month now. Unless for some odd reason, like what, four years from now, you decide to run for mayor again. <laughs> You just never know, right? You never know. <laughs> uh, do, do we, uh, do we, I, I, I don't always like to bug you about this, but uh, I will today, I guess. Um, do you, do you want to tell anyone what you're doing after, after your term is done? Do you have any, uh, you want to make the, make known what, what, what your plans are yet? Um, I, I don't have them solidified yet. So when I have them solidified, I'll be able to share that with everybody. I'm still 
I'm still working on a couple things yet. Okay. If we if we have more to come soon, hopefully. <laughs> oh yeah. If we uh, so like co-hosting Lacrosse Talk PM. Where, where are you on that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let me let me put that one on the on the, the list. Or I can I can noodle on that for next month, and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. But seriously, uh, the 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 city council I, the the agenda isn't up for the city council meeting Thursday yet, so I couldn't I couldn't dive into that. But we have a lot of information from the the committee meetings that happened. But before you get into that, the the city. There's a there's like a circle of lawsuits going around the um, PFAS, the the firefighting foam chemicals that contaminate the water forever chemicals, uh, in the in, in the town of Campbell. Am I right when I say the town of Campbell? Correct. Okay, so because there's French Island, the town of Campbell, the airport. There's you know there's different entities there, but um, you know a bunch of homes there are 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 kind of in uh, in a tough situation where the I believe the city is providing water for them, but. Um, is there, first of all, with that, the, the city is providing water to those homes. Is there, what else can the city do? I, I think I, the, obviously those people probably aren't super happy with what's happened. Um, is there, what's the plan going forward? Is there more that the city hopes to do or wants to do and, and, or can do, you know, either quickly or down the road a, a little ways? Well, and I would agree. I think it's a, it's a terrible situation. It's something that, you know, this, I know the city and, and really all the, uh, the parties, whether you're talking about the town board or the county health department or the state, uh, you know, this is very serious and, and we're, we're treating it that way, uh, trying to be as thorough to understand the extent of what the where the contamination is and then trying to come up with solutions for people that have uh, uh, PFAS or have contamination in their private wells that exceed the recommended standards of the 20 parts per trillion. So it is something that we take very seriously. Um, we, we have, I think, you know, acted pretty quickly uh, since we first learned last fall and, and early winter that there were uh, the, the potential of these PFAS that are migrating through the groundwater from the airport, uh, south and east of the airport. Um, and once we found and, you know, we tested the wells, we found uh, out of the 100-plus wells, I think there was about 40 or thereabouts that exceeded the standards, and we provided bottled water to them right away. That was a short-term solution, but we do need to come up with a longer-term solution. And, and as we are learning more about the extent of the PFAS, about possible sources of contamination, uh, you know, our I think the concern is only growing because we're seeing uh, test results with PFAS in other places that are outside of the plume from the airport. So that tells me that there are potentially other sources of contamination besides the airport. And that really then I think leads to a more collaborative, uh, you know, need for collaboration between the city, the town, the county and the state to come up with a comprehensive testing program and then to work to long-term solutions. So I do think, um, whether it's municipal water, either the city or if the town is going to do something, whether it's uh, filters that people can get for their for their homes. I mean, there's some combination of long-term solutions, but we don't have the extent of the problem identified yet. Yeah. Um, all right. And so, and and then when I was I was kind of alluded to this a little bit, but there's kind of like a circle of lawsuits, right? Is the city being sued, and then on the flip side, the city is suing. Other entities all for the same problem? 
Well, there, as far as I know, that there's only the one lawsuit, and that is the city suing the manufacturers. So we actually filed suit last week, and we are uh, we are suing. I believe it's uh, you know more than a dozen of the chemical companies that manufactured these substances, and that knew you know decades ago that these things were really bad, and that they didn't go away, and if they got into the ground or groundwater, they were going to cause problems. They knew this, and yet still continue to manufacture and sell, you know, these harmful chemicals. And then on top of it, the federal government, through the FAA out at the airport, mandated that the city and all of the, you know, uh, fire uh, fire departments at airports have to use this material in response to any emergencies or fires and it's mandated, so it's not like we can not use that. So you've got these things working against, uh, you know, working against us. Um, the city has received notices, so there have been basically notices, a hundred and some plus notices from residents uh, in the town of Campbell that have been served to the city, uh, alerting us that there could be lawsuits, you know, forthcoming against the city. So that's always a possibility. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't really think the city is the uh, is the bad actor here. I think it's the, I know it's the chemical manufacturers, and and we are are caught in the middle, and in some ways we're a victim of this as well because we found PFAS in one of our own municipal wells that we have since shut down. So I think, you know, there's there's just the what we're really trying to do now is is get a good understanding of the extent of the problem where the contamination is is coming from, uh, other sources of contamination. And then, you know, we are reaching out to the town, to the county and others to see if we can come up with a group here locally to come up with a a program for testing because we're receiving a lot of requests from residents to test their wells. And we want to try to honor all of those requests as best as we're able. How costly is the testing? It's very expensive because the the, um, the the procedures that you've got to do to to collect the samples are very onerous uh, because PFAS are in everywhere. The chances of of contaminating a sample are very high. And, um, you know, they, there were we were hearing stories when this first started that you know fast food wrappers. I mean, you can think about just about any type of material, um, all of your waterproofing materials all have PFAS in them, and it's possible you could get contamination from that. So so the, the procedures itself are very intensive and, and therefore very expensive. The monitoring wells, the actual testing, you know, that it's only been, uh, it only can be done by a few labs in the country, uh, and then obviously providing water and trying to uh, continue on with the investigation. I mean, the city has spent several hundred thousand dollars already and this is really just on the investigation we haven't you know there hasn't been any monies really developed to this point for the long-term solution and that's why we're suing the manufacturers because they're the ones that should be paying uh, all of us to to deal with the water supply and to deal with damages if if uh, homeowners have, have received damages from these harmful chemicals have we approached like UWL or Viterbo or anyone science department? Hey, you guys, uh, you guys should come up with some kind of testing lab. Uh, then we could just go right to you, <laughs> and then it's right in town. 
Yeah, I mean, in some cases and other projects that has helped us, but not in this not in this situation. Just because, again, the the and I'm not sure of all of the science behind it. I real I just rely on the the people that we know in science, and that's what they tell us is that there's only a few uh, places, you know, around the state and around the country that can do this PFAS testing, and that's who we're relying on. Uh, we're speaking with Mayor Tim Cabot. Uh... The yeah, so the idea here too with the, with the testing, you say it's costly. Also, it's groundwater, right? It's swishing around underneath us. So, the, like one day one well might be good, the next day that water might shift, and then the the well. We've probably figured that out already, huh? There's probably been wells that that were good one day and bad the next. Yeah, we've we've gone back and retested some of the the wells from the first round. If they were, because the standard is twenty parts per trillion. If it's and what they say that's equated to basically, you know, 20 eyedroppers full of, of the material in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So it's not much uh, at all. Um, if if uh, the state standard that they're proposing is 20 parts per trillion, so any, any well that was 20 or greater, uh, we're providing drinking water to if it was, I believe, between 15 and 20. We've, we've been retesting them just to see if there's been any changes because, uh, like you said, you know, there, there are times when that groundwater, uh, there, there could be, you know, just, uh, you know, things that are different from one day to the next. So I think the, uh, that's also part of, you know, there have been other uh, people that have gone on their own and done their own testing, and we're trying to get those results. I know the town has tested several of their facilities um and you know what i think in the long run what it points to is that there should be rather than hundreds and hundreds of private wells all you know really close to each other um with many many opportunities for contamination there should be a municipal water supply there and i know that that's been a very debated topic uh on on campbell with the town board over the decades and there's been many arguments and fights between the city and the town, and I know even the town have had their their issues with the provision of water there on the island. So it's not a not an easy uh, topic at all to try to get through. And we're you know again we're going as as fast and as thoroughly as we can. Yeah, I know where I live. We we have four different wells in our little community. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but we all you know pay into you know one one entity and and you know test the wells every once in a while and someone kind of runs it and and that's it so you know we're all on uh probably a, some like a hundred houses or something on four different wells so we kind of as a community do it that way it makes you know we have our issues every once in a while but it's it's been pretty pretty good system so far um all right so i think uh, i'm going to take another quick break scott's comment coming up doing the news and then we'll we'll get into some of the, the other stuff going down with the city council meeting on thursday with mayor tim cabot we'll be back All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. PM Mayor Tim Cabot joining us this hour. If you have questions for him, 608-785-7914. The question of whether the mayor is going to join the Biden administration. I don't I, I already asked the mayor what his future plans are, so he uh he'll let us know when he wants to let us know. But uh Mayor, we can get into that. I keep saying we're gonna get into the city council uh, agenda here in a minute. But number three, and maybe this is on the agenda. I, d- I didn't see it, but I'll I'll be honest, when there's seventy five hundred PDFs for me to download. I kind of missed some of these items. Uh, but number three, you're on the air. Go ahead with the mayor. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, I was seeing where you took out a building permit 
for a parking lot on Marco Drive. I was wondering if that's going right. to be for the boat docks or the ball field. It, it's really there to serve both. Um, we've got the improvements for the municipal boat harbor and then also parking and the restroom that we're working on for the for the uh, Carroll ball fields across the street. Okay, you're going to have ball games down there this year then? I, that's a good question. I'm assuming probably later in the year. I don't know what the uh, the recreation programs are, are they're working on kind of their updated schedule, and I don't know that I know that exactly yet, but that is the idea is later this summer um, they're hoping to get uh, leagues and things going. So Okay, because uh, it sat there all last, all last year not being used, all brand-new stuff. Seems to me like if you don't know you're going to do it for sure, I think I'd put that parking lot off for a year. Use your two hundred and ten thousand someplace else in the city. That's my well, general. That's, that's one of the challenges, yeah, with with the with projects because we have so many projects. If if you push one back, it becomes more more difficult to get around back uh, back to it. Um, in my experience, uh, it seems like it. And this is like you know, no disrespect or or not being negative to any department or anybody, but. It just always seems like it takes longer uh, to get things done, um, even under the best circumstances, because who knows, river levels, um, you you know, work with contractors, and if they have schedule issues, the utility companies have schedule issues. I mean, so typically I, I'm a big believer in this. If we've got the, the projects okayed and the funding, let's go ahead and do it because they're there to, for the long haul, and I can understand trying to, save and program that money somewhere else, but then there's no guarantee that we'll have that money, you know, the following year. So I, will, I understand that, but I believe that the idea is let's keep moving forward. And thanks for the call number three. I will say that uh, the the Parks and Rec, we've been trying to get volleyball going in the, in, in the, in the winter indoors. Uh, we just haven't been able to get into any of the schools because the schools aren't allowing us in. But the Parks and Rec Department has been trying with a lot of like there's, you know, wearing masks and, and in and out. And you know, on Alaska, Parks and Rec has already started indoor sports. Uh, so the idea that we wouldn't be playing outdoor sports, uh, I think we will be in the in the uh, city page. Registration is open for City Park and Rec softball, so it, it sounds mm-hmm. like those fields will right. be used. And, and obviously, I think the, maybe the boat docks are probably used more than they've ever been in the history of mankind. Yeah, they've they've really um, last year it was just a phenomenal year, and I would expect this year to be the same. We had a decent summer with river levels, also because if folks remember in 2019, the levels were high, way above flood stage for most of the summer. Last year wasn't the case, and, and hopefully we'll have a good year this year as well. Yeah, do you do you do you look into that, or do you let uh, other departments figure that out where we're at? With uh, it sounded like we weren't going to be too bad with flooding this year. Yeah, there. I mean, there there is uh, between um, utilities and engineering and streets and uh, uh, our parks. Uh, all of those folks pay close attention to what the river levels and what those early forecasts say. Um, I mean, they, they watch that pretty closely because obviously when the river levels start to go up, uh, there's things they've got to do with our, our temporary pump stations and uh, temporary levees that we build. So uh, they watch that pretty closely. Uh, and at least at, at 
this point, the early indications are that it's going to be a fairly, you know, quote-unquote normal year, which I would imagine will have some high water in the early spring, and then hopefully, you know, the levels will be better through through the summer. But that all can change, of course, with, with weather issues and weather events. Yeah, and that was part of my reply to uh, Jared Flick with the Parks and Rec Department about a volleyball court at Pettibone because I feel like maybe the flooding would wash it out. Because Pettibone, was, it wasn't it last summer that Pettibone, or was it, was it before that? The Pettibone was like flooded the whole the whole season. Yeah, I think it was two two summers ago in 2019 when we had those really high levels for the whole summer um, that it was, uh, you know, that that there were issues. And then last year we had closed all the beaches because That's right. of COVID. So um, we didn't have a whole lot of activities going on there. Um, so, yeah, they are, you know, they're going to be making improvements to the volleyball courts at Pettibone, and they're doing some different things there with uh, drainage and whatnot so that they can hopefully make it more resilient against those high river levels when those when the river levels do go up. Uh, yeah, and, and and another thing that was a part of the committee meetings last week that should be brought up with city council this week. The the Weber Center hasn't been making money. They we ha- you know again a COVID issue. We haven't had you know being able to do anything in, inside like a, like concerts or whatever you want to call plays, whatever that you want to call what they're doing at the Weber Center, uh, artsy stuff. Um, but they essentially they have a bill for twenty seven grand with the city that uh, the the a committee said, hey, yeah, you got to pay your bill. Is that kind of how that went down? Yeah, I unfortunately wasn't at that part of the meeting when that was going on, but that's my understanding is that there was a request to to suspend that payment for uh, for this past year, and the committee at this point uh, turned down their request to, to not make the payment. So we'll. We'll see and hear more once the city council gets together on Thursday about whether there will be any any you know amendments to that. Uh, but the yeah, it, I mean it's a it's the same kind of challenges and struggles that you know all of the businesses and entities uh, have been dealing with because of being closed from COVID and not having those revenue sources. So um, you know that's it's really tough. I mean I I wish there were better you know, better solutions and that we had available resources to to deal with that. Now, you know, the good news is for, our, for cities like La Crosse and all over the country, the last uh, stimulus package here that we're expecting um, the House will deal with tomorrow and then the president will sign does provide direct aid to cities. And so we'll be able to hopefully uh, get a portion of our lost revenues that we, you know, that we experienced last year. We'll we'll get some of that back to help us deal with staffing and and you know some of the cuts that we had to make because of that. So uh, that is at least a little bit of good news. But as far as the the Weber Center, there'll be I'm sure a discussion on that on Thursday. What is the Weber Center like? Its own entity? Does the city own this? And and what's the is the bill just because uh, for taxes? What is the bill? I don't understand what the twenty seven thousand. You don't have to give me a big long yeah, explanation, a, but yeah, it's a payment for it's a payment for municipal services. So that uh, that land was um, uh, they they appealed to the state of Wisconsin to make that a tax exempt entity because of. Uh, it's a it's a not for profit dedicated to the arts, dedicated really to the community. So they were able to get the state of Wisconsin to um, declare that tax exempt uh, in exchange for a payment for municipal services. That was, I think, part of 
that overall just agreement. And so the payment for municipal services is, um, you know, based on the, obviously the value of the structure and then it's, you know, for services that the city provides. Typically it's limited to police and fire and streets. Um, and uh, it's the, the city's portion of, of what would be a normal tax bill. So it's been something that was negotiated uh, a number of years ago, and I believe their their biggest issue is just, you know, with it being closed, they've not been able to generate any revenues to help, you know, pay that bill. Sure. All right, so moving on, uh, another thing on the council agenda Thursday. I know there's a thing about alternate side parking. We're going to change the rules there, but we don't care about alternate side parking for November. I'll see if I can get into it. Um, but the, there, there is talk of a public market going forward. The bill was like $15 million. I think everyone wants to point to that right away, but I think it was going to bring in something like 10 million a year or something. Um, but the first and foremost, like where are we going to put it? Uh, and, and who's, you know, the, would the city buy some entity? Is there, is there already city property, property that we could convert? Uh, I say just put it in, you know, let's put it in the Weber Center. We'll just do arts and, uh, you know, whatever public, you want to call public market. We'll do arts and, uh, you know, food stuff in the, in the Weber Center. But anyway, so seriously, but like, uh, yeah, what's, do we have like a, a favorite spot where we would like to put this public market? And what's the timeline on, on having it uh, go? Yes, we do, and that's been part of the really the deliberations looking at the the public market. Uh, you know, the, really the first question was whether or not the the lacrosse area could support a public market. Um, the city engaged uh, uh, a gentleman who, uh, in his firm, has uh, quite a bit of experience, and, and he's run public markets and has done a number of these, and, and determined that. You know, based on demographics and on spending patterns, and uh, just really the makeup of our economic mix here in Lacrosse, that yes, a public market could work here. It would be feasible. Um, they've been going through then really the uh, to determine what would be the, the the site or the you know the recommended site for that, and they have recommended the uh, the site basically right next to the Oktoberfest grounds. Uh, Excel Energy, the old manufactured gas plant site there. That's uh, it's you know right now it's got a, a fence around it, and it's uh, it's just vacant land. Um, the the city has had conversations with Excel about purchasing that. Um, if folks remember, we purchased the uh, the building right there, kind of at the triangle as you're com- coming into downtown. Yep. Um, and the city already has a long term lease on a parking lot there, so. We'd be looking at really trying to combine all of those and have that be the site for the public market. And then what I really think is uh, key and would be a, a long-term uh, catalytic uh, change and, and just a, an incredible uh, facelift for that part of downtown would be uh, to expand and to redo the fest grounds and actually make that part of Riverside Park and have that be uh, green space, you know, for for the year, and then have an agreement with the festivals to to do a festival space there where the current Oktoberfest grounds are. So I think that's all part of what uh, you know. The first step to that is the the public market, and and then acquiring the property, and and then moving forward with these other pieces. But it's a very exciting development. It's it's got an opportunity to be. I think one of the best things would be. 
an incubator for, uh, incubator for small businesses and for uh, for those uh, people who are entrepreneurs, uh, especially when it comes to, to food and and uh, agriculture and those those types of, of industries would have a chance there. So uh, I, I look forward to that as being something that can be a, a definitely a long term uh, success for for the city and really our whole region. If we put it there, do we have to build a building? Yes, it would be part of the. There would be uh, uh, much like the, the. If folks are familiar with the public market, for example, in Milwaukee, there is not only you know kind of that uh, the outdoor piece, but there's an indoor piece as well. And there are shops and restaurants and small businesses that would make up that that public market and really be open year round. And then uh, you know when you have nice weather, then you would be able to take advantage. And they have the outdoor markets and outdoor dining and and uh, that type of experience as well. So, yeah, you would be you'd be constructing a building. Um, you know, they're they're looking at obviously something's got to make sense uh, financially, and that's part of this this uh, feasibility and business plan is they're looking at the cost of construction, the the long term operating cost, and then can you generate revenues uh, as a part of that to to make it feasible and sustainable. I think maybe when we build that building, uh, put a big roof on it and me- maybe a section on the end, uh, we could put two indoor sand volleyball courts in there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but is, is it, uh, you know, where you're talking by the, the Oktoberfest grounds, you want to talk, you're talking about, you know, including the Oktoberfest grounds more into Riverside Park. Uh, there's too much space and in, in water and muck in the way to make River Point and, and that area, one entity, right? Like, even if we built some kind of, I know there's one path, but there's that that wouldn't happen, right? River Point District is going to be pretty separate from uh, whatever happens south of there, right? Well, they're, they're going to, I mean, part of the public market talks about another bridge across the La Crosse River and to have trails to connect up. Because um, right now you've got the, the trail that goes through there, which is really phenomenal but um they they'd be looking to try to maximize that with additional connections so you you do still have the uh you know the the, the large pond and and kind of the the wetlands area that's in between where we're looking to redevelop and, and develop in the river point district and and you know where the fest grounds are but with trails and bridges and other opportunities there you know the idea is, is to try to make that i mean it's really close uh, you know, it, it might it might seem like it's a, a bit of a distance, but yeah. those things are really close to each other. I'm just thinking, like, the DNR is going to come in, and there's going to be an endangered bald eagle nest there, and we won't be able to do that. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, I mean, those are all parts of it. You know, there there is an actual um, a threatened bird species that we've been working through and, and making sure that we're uh, respectful for and that we're following all of the federal and state guidelines so you know we're i think we're we're we're, we anticipate those kinds of things and try to work through them as best as we can bald eagle the uh the world's uh best pr it's it's a vulture with the best pr market or pr person that's what the bald (laughs) eagle is uh as i stumble over my joke um yeah the public someone texts in tom g texts in you know and this is always a pretty easy avenue is hey put the public market in that camart or put that public market in one of the shop co's um in my head i'm thinking well the those both those buildings might have to be demolished to build a public market uh or 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 severely renovated 
Um, but what's your thoughts on just doing that? We'd still, and also we'd have to buy them from somebody. It's not like the city owns Shopcore or Kmart. Correct. Yeah, and and the the that process um, they identified. They started with you know probably fifteen or twenty different locations, including uh, many of the buildings that you mentioned, and, and looked at those uh, from a traffic count from. Uh, surrounding businesses for opportunities for development, and um, they went through all of that. And so they did look at those different locations, but ultimately they decided that that uh, site downtown, as you're coming right into downtown, was the you know was the, their number one choice. Yeah, this and and it's a central. Would would it probably cost just as much to to buy Kmart? and renovate it versus building your own public market, you know, strictly for what you're building a building strictly for what you're building it for, as opposed to trying to change up uh, some old box store. Yeah. I I mean, there, there, the Kmart, uh, when we were looking, when the city was looking at purchasing that, you know, that was several million dollars. And then you've got to deal with asbestos and uh, other issues as you're demolishing it. I mean, we, we'd really like to see that building be demolished and have a, a mix of uses there, residential and some commercial and some things that would be serving the neighborhood um, at that Kmart site. So it does, you know, it, it isn't just necessarily the cost factor. You're also looking at what's going to benefit the neighborhood and what's going to be, uh, again, a sustainable use for the long term. So for decades and decades to come. Um, where on that list for public market is the River Point District? If you're going to build a building just south of there, why not right in River Point District? I feel like, uh, you know, if this thing's going to be such a boon for for the city, uh, that would, that would like, like people talk about, hey, if Ho-Chunk comes into River Point District, that would bring other businesses there. Wouldn't, wouldn't a public market, like, help other businesses flock to that area? Oh, people are going to be there shopping all the time for fresh fruit, food or whatever, you know, is going to inside that public market. Uh, yeah, I want to be next to that. Yes, they, that was one of the, the, the three final sites. So not only the, the, the site that they recommended, but they did also look at uh, the River Point District as being one of those options. And then the, at the time, the, the U.S. Post Office, um, redeveloping that, the city was interested in working with the federal government to try to redevelop the post office site. Since then, the post office really uh, that is, has fallen by the wayside because they were just looking for uh, too many uh, too many things uh, from the city to to make that move. So that one is kind of uh, you know not as uh, feasible. But if it's not at the um, at you know, Excel site, then yes, the River Point District was very high on their list uh, as well. Sure. Um, I guess I could have looked at the list too, and then I would have known that, but I, that's always okay. good to get your take. Um, and uh, just last thing, I'm really flipping flipping it here, and we don't have a ton of time, so maybe this isn't fair to you, but, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Steve O'Malley and his Facebook comments, uh, the distasteful Facebook comments online. Uh, you know, in a public area, not on his own personal thing, but kind of out in the public. It'd be like him just saying something like that. Um, and I know that's county government versus city government, but you've had to deal with stuff like this. How? Uh, what? What's your opinion on on the O'Malley situation, and and how have you had to deal with this within city government? I mean, the idea that we have to police everyone's Facebook seems or everyone's social media seems pretty daunting to ask. Yeah, it is. It's really challenging. I mean, we've we've had situations where you've got uh, city employees who, on their personal, you know, uh, personal time and on their personal 
uh, Facebook pages. Uh, they, they can post things, but we've always tried to, uh, you know, highlight the fact that even though you are, it's maybe on your personal time, you're still a city employee and, and in many cases a city official. And so you're, you know, people are going to call you out, especially if, uh, if there's any, you know, any shape or fashion where they're connecting you with city government. So we've, you know, tried to discourage that as much as we possibly can. It it becomes very difficult. I mean, we had a situation uh, just last week with uh, uh, a, you know, a very similar, uh, you know, just social media problem. And it is, there's no, there's no, you know, there's just no simple solution um, I, you know, and I don't typically get involved, but I did uh, last Friday post, you know, some comments about one of the, the posts that I was seeing, which I thought was really uh, not good in relation to one of our volunteer citizens who's serving on a committee, and it happens to deal with uh, police oversight, and, um, you know, one of the police unions uh, were, were doing things, uh, posting information, and I just... It's, you know, again, just a challenge all the way around. I think, uh, in my view, you know, the less of that stuff that gets posted on social media, the better. I think if if people have issues, they should pick up a phone and, and talk about it. But Yeah, we're getting to a we're getting to know, a point maybe. where where uh, all this stuff is getting a little out of control. And then to, to have to everyone has to regulate, uh, you know, like, I don't know, it's the, the, somebody's going to have to figure out, you know, how to how to navigate all this stuff. And it, it's it, also like it's just on on a sidebar to things that actually matter uh, in, in some regards. Somet- sometimes these things do actually matter, but other times it's just, uh, you know, random Facebook posts that like, all right, well, we got we actually have things that matter that we got to deal with, too. Yeah, and and I usually that's kind of my my perspective as well. I think where I thought things, you know, where there was where it crossed the line, where it was in essence, uh, you know, a and people were thinking it was coming from the city police department, and it wasn't. It wasn't affiliated with the city. It was the the police union. But when they were calling out a, a volunteer citizen, I just thought that that crossed the line, and and you know, asked asked them. To, to remove the post and, you know, to apologize because the last thing we want any of our citizens to feel like they're being uh, targeted by the police in any shape or fashion. And, and that's just an unfortunate thing that happens. So, yeah, yeah uh, I, I think the social media challenges, I don't have anything specific in relation to Mr. O'Malley's, uh, you know, situation. Oh, yeah. And I that's... Of, and you, won't, with that, but and, and you won't have to worry about that come uh, come next month. I'm cutting you off because I'm going to run out of time, Mayor. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Um, all right. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on with me, and, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Okay. You bet, Rick. Thank you. All right. That was Mayor Tim Cabot. Uh, one more break. We'll be back. All right, I didn't leave myself a whole lot of time because you don't need to hear me talk. We'd rather listen to the mayor, but I appreciate everyone for listening. 